First thing on your notes is this. Flip that worship guide over on the back side of that worship guide. You can take notes. It says, this is us, we build. This is us, we build. Somebody shout, we're builders. Listen to what the Word of God says in Psalm 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. How many of us, if we ain't got God involved in what we're doing, we're doing it all in vain. But I want you to notice something. First of all, I want you to say something. We are building something here. But the question has to be asked, what are we building? You need to know what we're building. We need to state beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are not building a building. We are building something bigger than a building. Something is very interesting about this scripture. Watch this. Watch what it says. It almost sounds like a contradiction. Unless, who builds it? Say it again. The Lord. Everybody say the Lord. Unless the Lord builds the house. Watch this. Next line. Who? What's the very next word? They. Everybody say they. Now, wait a minute. Who's building the house? The, no, it says they. So, wait a minute. Are you confused? It sounds confused, don't it? Because it says, unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. So, we understand that the house of the Lord is built by God, but we are the ones that build it. Oh, I wish I had some help. See, if you're a builder, how many people we got in here that are builders? If you're a builder, raise your hand. If you're a builder in any way, shape, or form. We got builders in every section. Y'all know what this is, don't you? What is it? Even builders don't know what this is. They, they, if you're not a builder, you know what this is. What is this? Print, blueprint. Now, if you're going to go into a construction site and you're going to build something the right way on a level of which you know you're going to be inspected. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Because how many knows the Lord is going to inspect the house? Some of y'all think y'all think y'all having trouble with Birmingham and Jefferson County inspectors. You, you, you just wait till the well, God shows up and inspects the house. Huh? So you pull this out, and you got all kinds of detailed lines and, and symbols and legends that tells you how much each little inch is and all this and what it is to scale. But the reality is this. Do we have anybody in here that has ever uh, been an architect or has ever actually, not just hand on your own, but have ever actually made a set of blueprints before? Uh, anybody in here? So, Sean, stand up, Sean, so everybody can see you. So, so you've made blueprints. All right, so, so everybody that knows Sean, you know, of course you have. <laughs> now, now, Sean. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you believe in your time of making blueprints and build, you, 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 are, you built, used to build houses, right? You built a lot of things. How many houses do you think you built? You think you built 50 houses? 
35 to 50 houses. 35 to 50 houses. How many you built? Hundreds. Hundreds, my God. I believe that. But now, now watch what I'm saying here. Now, you said you built 35, maybe 50 houses, right? Framed them. Did you build everything in those houses, every single thing yourself with your hand? What? Wait a minute. Absolutely not. You did not, right? You couldn't have done it. Were there some houses that you're claiming right now that you built that you didn't do any of the labor on? Okay. Would you agree that some people who draw drawing never even show up on the job? But, okay, but now let me ask you a question, y'all, that's so confident. Help me watch this. If I was to ask them, the house that you carpenters built, if I was to ask them how many houses they built, they would claim they built the house that you built. Because people who own large companies that build houses, you ask them, how many houses? You ask the owner, you know, a major company, how many houses y'all build a year? Oh, we build about 500 houses a year. What they mean is, I got people who build 500 houses a year. But they claim the houses. Are y'all hearing me? Do you understand that's what this Word of God is saying? Now, I prophesy in the name of Jesus. It's been a really good sermon uh, prop if I had somebody who was a big-time money-making architect in the house. We, I'm prophesying an actual architect that's going to draw church buildings all over the world, praise God, in this house. Somebody believe we're going to pray. Nothing against you, Sean. You're, 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 you understand. You're, you're, I prophesy you're a millionaire too, brother. I didn't want to admit I, I, I mean, come on, somebody. How many knows that this church needs lawyers and doctors and architects and, and builders and construction workers and teachers? I'm talking about from every walk of life, we need them in this house. So, the reality is this. Those that draw the prints claim the project. Did you hear what I just said? In fact, it's... They take ownership over it, and they're, they're getting mad if you don't build it to their specifications. In fact, even though you're down on the ground on your knees and you're sweating and you're doing the work, you are following the instructions of someone who is not even there. Are you hearing me? My God, I need more time. So the Lord said, I'm the one that builds the house. In other words, the house is mine. You don't believe it? Let me pull this one back out here. I got this one from somebody. I ain't even looked at it yet, but I'm going to just take a chance here. Yep. Ray Sander. Ain't got a clue who he is. But you know what? He put his name on this project. This can be passed from... From foreman to foreman to construction worker to construction worker. But they can write their name on it all they want to, but they can't claim it. Because they're not the one that drew it up. 
So God said, it's my house, but it functions by my people. But I'm the one that drew up the blueprint. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. It's got my name on it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Somebody shout his name, Jesus. He's got his name on it, the Word of God. When you look at the prince, you want to know how your life is supposed to look? Quit guessing the measurements and guessing what you think it ought to be. What you really need to do is just go back to the blueprints. Oh, y'all ain't here. Next thing on your notes is this. We are not building a building. So the first thing before you want to know what we're building, you need to know what we are not building. We are not building a building. Our mission has never been to build a structure, although we have had some major building projects in the existence of our 25 years. Storefront buildings, hay barns being turned into churches, condemned rock schools being turned. Come on, somebody. 50-50 vision. Where we're at right now is not what we're building. We're not building on to this building. We're not even building anything in this building. Although Focus 25 construction is well under the way, uh, underway, that is not what I'm preaching about today. The next thing on your notes is this. What are we building? We are building God's kingdom. Somebody shout, we're kingdom builders. Y'all know what shout means? Somebody shout, we're kingdom builders. Don't make me turn this jackhammer on, y'all. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 says this. Now therefore you are no longer strangers or foreigners. Watch this. But fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having, watch this, been built. Somebody shout built. Talking about us. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being what? The chief cornerstone in whom the whole, say it loud, building being fitted together grows into a holy temple unto the Lord. In whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We are being built together. Remember what I told you what Shekinah means? It means for, to prepare a place for him to dwell. Let his dwelling, the dwelling of the presence of God to come down. We are building a place that is, that is welcoming to the presence of God. Now watch this. We are citizens of a house that is bigger than this house. Oh, we all, did y'all get that? There's a house that's bigger than this house. There's, there's a there's a group that's bigger than this group. The day a church isolates itself from the rest of the body of Christ, they have left the body of Christ. We are, we are not, Solid Rock Church is not the only way. Jesus is the only way. So people that don't praise like us, dance like us, preach like us, they might not dress like us. Let me tell you something. If they're preaching Jesus and they're preaching Jesus, forgive them of their sins and come into their heart and save them, they are building this house. It's time for the church to quit talking about other churches. 
start dealing with their own sin. I'm, I'm telling you what, I'm so sick and tired of seeing people uh, talk about Joel Osteen and Joyce Meyer and all these other preachers. My God, you know what? I don't care if you doctrine and line up with them or not. The reality is this. You just need to shut your mouth and deal with your own mess. Huh? You think you've been empowered to call people out? No, you hadn't. I need to call you out. Catch what Paul was saying in the scripture I just read to you. It says the house of God was built first on the chief cornerstone. See, it's, it's, a, it's a system of building that was passed down from years to years. They don't do it so much anymore. But when it would become, it would be a ceremony. When it was time to build something, a ceremonial thing, they would bring in a cornerstone that had been honed out of, of a special rock. And it may have a symbol in it. It may have a name in it. And they would level the place where it's going to be. And then they would set that cornerstone. And they would, they would praise God. And they would set it in place. And it would be a ritual that they would do. And then construction would begin around that cornerstone. That's why Jesus is called the build the stone that the builders rejected. And the reason they rejected it is because Jesus didn't fit the mold of their typical construction way. How they had built a house on religion. God said, I don't want to build my house on religion. I want to build my house on a relationship. So the chief cornerstone of the church was not a ritual. It was Jesus. We've turned it into a ritualistic thing when Jesus said, I'm the one I want you to build it around. Mm -hmm. after, the, after the cornerstone was set in place, the next thing was the foundation. And the Bible said the house was built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So we understand, it was talking about the apostles and the prophets of the New Testament at, that began this thing called the church. And everything else was built on top of them. And it fits together and grows, watch this, into the holy temple of God. Well, you, you just, you've, got, you've got common sense. You know he's not talking about the actual temple. Because Jesus is not just hanging out, sitting there, and apostles and everything's not sitting around, and walls are sitting on top of them. That's stupid and silly. He's talking about the house of God. Paul said, no, you're not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are the church. Somebody shout, I am the church. So here's the bottom line, is when you, what Paul was trying to say is you can't build God's house and you can't build the kingdom if you're not building others up as well. See, some churches are, are, are based on beating people down. We don't want to beat you down. Now, we're we going to step on your toes sometimes, and we ain't, we ain't going to try to be mean about it, but we ain't going to apologize for telling you the truth. But we don't beat you down. We want to build you up. We want you to leave here stronger because guess what? In your life, in your family, just like we're building something here, you're building something there. So we need you to be strong foundation stones there so that others can build on you. Are you hearing me? Next thing on your notes is this. We are building God's people. We are building God's people. I want to read you a very familiar passage. Look at it from a different viewpoint. When it talks about building God's people. Look at your neighbor first and tell him, I've been called to build you up in the kingdom. 
Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19 says this. And when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, say, who do you say that I am, the Son of Man am? You ever heard this? Listen to this. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, somebody shout them. But who do you say I am? It's very important. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said, listen, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood, the natural realm, has not revealed this to you, but my father's in heaven. The architect. Are you hearing me? You women church. And I also say to you, and I, wait a minute, watch this. And I also say to you, notice he said, my father in heaven has spoken to you. Well, this sort of blows it right out of the water if you don't believe in the Trinity, because it says, my father has spoken to you, and I also say. Are you hearing me? My father has said this, and I say this. See, some people think it was just Jesus. Jesus was saying it, but the Father was saying it too. And the Spirit, of course, was saying it because he said flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And the way it all operated here on this earth was the power of the Holy Spirit. My God, y'all ain't hear me. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will what? Build my church. And the gates of Hades, or hell, shall not prevail against it. Then he goes on to say, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. See, it's important for Jesus, it was important for Jesus to know the hearts of the people of those prophets and apostles. Because he knew something that they did not know, obviously. That it wasn't going to be long that he was going to die on a cross. And when he shed his blood, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that it would become a New Testament. The church was going to be launched uh, 50 days after his crucifixion at a place called the, the Feast of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. All this God knew was coming. So he knew he was going to be the chief cornerstone of something that he had came to build. I wish somebody helped me. See, Jesus, was a, he had an agenda. His agenda wasn't just to die on the cross for your sins. His agenda was to build the kingdom. Notice, notice everywhere Jesus went, he preached about the kingdom. The very first sermon he ever preached, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When you talk about sowing and reaping, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who went forth to sow seed. The kingdom of heaven is like this, it's like that. Who is worthy to become a part of the kingdom of heaven? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Kingdom. He came to die on the cross, but people, people miss it if you think that's the only reason he came. He did not come just to die on the cross for your sins so that you'd be forgiven. He died on the cross so you could be forgiven of your sins so that you could become a stone in a building in the spirit realm. So when he's, when he's doing this famous passage here, he is setting up the foundation 
Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Of everything we stand on today. Because he knew he could only be, watch this, the cornerstone. He knew that in order for it to work the way he wanted it to work, he had to have men and women to build around him. But until you know who he is, you can't set him in his correct place. So I need to know who people say that I am. Well, they say you're John the Baptist, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, that's great. But it's extremely important for me to know who you say I am. So when he said that and Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Christos, the promised one, the anointed one, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Notice what he said, Simon Barjona, that's what he called him. Simon Barjona was his given fleshly name. He was not born Peter. His name was Simon Barjona. So he spoke to the flesh man. He wanted to know what the flesh man would say. Are y'all hearing me? And when the flesh man looked beyond what naturally made sense and let the Holy Spirit come on him and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Let me tell you something. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. You just stepped, that's what I needed to see happen. You just stepped outside of the natural and you begin to see in the spirit. My father revealed that to you and now I say to you, watch what he says, you are Peter. In other words, I just changed your name. Before this moment, you were known as Simon Barjona, son of Jonas. But today, I call you a Peter, which means little rock. Oh, you ain't hearing me. You ain't getting what I'm saying. Peter means, there's, uh, Petra means the rock, the big rock. Petros is what Peter was, which means little stone, little pebble. But it's a stone. And he says, look, you are a chip off the old block. Come on, somebody. <laughs> oh, I need another two hours. He says, what you don't realize is right now, at the very spoken words from your mouth, you begin to build something for me. See, that's why it's called in theological terms and in preachers say, the confession that he's made is called the bedrock confession of faith. Are you hearing me? It's called the bedrock confession of faith. People think that God meant he was building his church on Peter. One man. No, 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 no. God ain't going to ever build what he's doing in the kingdom on a man. He built it on what Peter said. And he said, Peter, from this day forward, everyone, watch this, that says what you say has a place in what I'm building. Nicodemus, you must be born again. How are we born again? We confess with our mouth, Paul says in Romans, the Lord Jesus, and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, and thou shalt be saved. So we confess that Jesus, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. We confess that he's the Messiah. We confess that he's the, the son of God. And we ask him to come in our heart and save us. 
Flesh can't do that. We move, but we're born again. Why? Because we have to move. Remember I told Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. In other words, it's another way of saying what's got to happen to you, flesh and blood cannot reveal it to you. Y'all ain't hearing me. Same thing he said to Peter. But once you do the bedrock confession, you slide into the foundation of the house of God. Is this good preaching? Now, notice it was on the confession of a man. On the confession of a man that the house of God would be built. On the confession of a man, not on the man. How many knows the kingdom of God is advanced when we, con- when we speak out what the blueprint says? And when people accept what the blueprint says, boom, another block in the kingdom. He knew that he would lay the foundation, the cornerstone, but it would be the disciples that built the house. Now watch this. When the house is built on this confession, hell cannot prevail against it. When your house is built on, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you are over everything and over this house. He says, when you walk in that, when you teach others to walk in that, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. In other words, he cannot tear down your house if your house is built on this bedrock confession. Is your house built on the sand or is your house built on thou art the Christ, the son of the living God? That's when you find out how strong your house is. Listen about the, about the, what the, the gates of hell shall not prevail. We all know this scripture, but watch this. Think of it in a different light. John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to what? Steal and to kill and to destroy. And of course, he says, I have come that what? They. Now, wait a minute. you got to get this because this is new revelation to me this week. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. See, I believe we've been reading this wrong all along. This hit me this week. We understand the word kill in this passage. We know the devil wants to actually kill you. But he also wants to kill your influence and kill your testimony. Watch this. I know he wants to steal our material stuff, but more than anything, he wants to steal our joy. He wants to steal our faith. He wants to steal our impact. I know he wants to destroy our business, our job, our home, and our things, but he desperately, more than anything, wants to destroy our spirit, soul, and body. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, don't fear the man that can, that can destroy the things that you have, destroy your body, but to fear the man that can destroy your spirit and your soul and your body. That's the one you need to worry about. He wants to remove us from our place in the building. So in other words, watch what happened. Remember, remember the opening scripture says, unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. So we understood that it says, it almost sounds like a contradiction, but we understand the principles of building. It's not a contradiction. He's the architect. We're the laborers. Didn't he call us laborers in the harvest? But what's this? So why does it say then the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but then instead of saying, I come that they might get their stuff back, 
I come that they might get their business back. And I know that the Bible says a thief be found has got to restore. I'm all about God restoring the, the things that we've lost. But watch what happens. He doesn't say that. He says, but I've come that they might have life. In other words, the enemy cares more about stealing and killing and destroying your life than he does about your stuff. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. That's why people can have all the stuff in the world but still blow their brains out and have no hope to live. Because stuff, whether you have it or whether you lose it, cannot give you joy and have life abundant. It's good preaching whether you're shouting or not. We're pursuing the wrong thing, y'all. We're, pursu- we're in a rat race that we don't need to be in. I'm all about working hard. I'm all about the grind. I'm all about taking care of your family and establishing a, a retirement and wealth and having a legacy to pass down financially. But listen, what good is it if we're forgetting about building the house of God? What good is it if we're forgetting about building the kingdom of God? I'm preaching better than you shouting. I got to hurry. See, nowadays people are always using the, the excuse of, of, we're talking about people. They want to gripe and complain about people. They want, to, they want to talk about hypocrites. Well, here's my question. If you don't like how God's people act, what are you doing about it? Are you trying to help them? Are you just using them as an excuse? Because the truth is, some of the ones that you call hypocrites are probably living for be- better for the Lord than you are. Some of you say, well, I don't go to church because of hypocrites. Too many hypocrites in that church. Well, one thing they got on you that you ain't even doing, you, at least they're going to church. At least they got a chance to hear what the pastor's saying. You're sitting at home, and you, you're using them as excuse, and you ain't even in the place being equipped for the work of the ministry. Whining, complaining. Let me tell you something. If you got a problem with somebody, instead of talking about them and tearing them down, how about sharpening them? Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. I tell you what, I can't be around that guy. Every time I look at him, he looks miserable. Well, what are you doing about it? Are you just avoiding them and letting them die in their misery? Or are you trying to speak life in them? Most construction sites have one of these. What is this called? Ladder. Now, a ladder, every tool has a purpose, doesn't it? I got stuff in here. That's got a purpose, screwdriver. Some people think it's a pry bar. Sometimes it will be. It's right here. I've done some stuff with this it ain't designed to do. We know what this is, right? It's a level. Touch your neighbor and tell them you need to get your, ha- you need to get your house in level. Because some of y'all are out of level. But a ladder has a purpose. It really only has one purpose. We try to make it do other things, but it really only has one purpose. It, or the way it was only designed for one purpose. And that is to enable us to reach things that we could not reach on our own. This thing ain't straight, y'all. There you go. But now watch this. Some of y'all... Go on, no, I'm just kidding. Get away, Scott. I don't want to hurt you. No, no, I'm just kidding. That's a good armor bearer. That's a good armor bearer. Hold me. 
I ain't going to do it, y'all, but I have done it. Many of y'all that work construction have done it. Where you try to yourself to balance yourself, and I have stood on this top, and I have worked on things. None of y'all work for OSHA, do you? Oh, Lord, don't, don't turn me in. All right. But I'm going to tell you something. This is what a good church, a church ought to be. A church and a pastor ought to be a ladder. You ever heard me say, you get up under a good pastor and you, you let people speak into your life, they can see potential in you that you can't see in you. That's why I wore this shirt today. I see greatness in you. See, the higher you go up, you want to take my picture? Go ahead. Go ahead and take my picture. I'm serious. Take my picture. Can you step back, Scott? <laughs> Thank you, brother. I, I'm just telling you what she said. She said, tell him to get out of the way. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, just kidding, Scott. Let me give him a tennis look. Wait a minute, wait a minute. All right, look, seriously, the, the, whole, the whole perspective changes. I can see things right now that you can't see. I can see all the way to the back of the balcony. I can see everything in this building now that no matter where you go, you'd have to go all the way back there. But even if you went all the way back there, you still couldn't see the perspective that I have because I'm higher than even the stage. That's why... You need a pastor. That's why you need a church. That's why you need people in your life. That's why Randy and Janice talk about small groups. That's why you got to do life with people. Because when you do life with people, you sharpen each other. You build, you get the, when you sharpen a tool, let me give you an example. We've been down on our knees for over a week, busting towel up on our hands and knees with, with handheld jackhammers like this. Some of them pop up. Some of them you have to grind and grind and grind. But the further that we went, the harder it got. Why? Because the blades got duller and duller and duller. you got to have a sharp blade to be able to continue to do the work at that same level. But yet you want to do life on your own. You want to say, I don't need nobody in my life. And you wonder why you can't get to victory. Because you're trying to do this thing in life with a dull blade. And I got to hurry. Next thing you notice is this. We are building influence. We are building influence. I'm going to kick in. In January last year, I preached a series called Influence. I encourage you to go back and listen to it again. God spoke to this house about where we are at right now. Through faithfulness of 25 years, we have established influence in this region. But it's about to go to the next level. But our influence is not based on us. Our influence is based on God, the chief cornerstone. Is influence important to you? Well, it should be. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And he gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. God's called you to be a light. If your light has gone dim, get around somebody who's got some juice. 
I know you probably you got you could probably set light bulbs on by your hands many times you've been shocked. See, once we become believers, we are to influence the world. In this house, we are building influencers. Why are we building influencers here? Not so that we can be full of pride of ourselves, but so that we can influence our job, influence our school, influence our neighborhood, influence our friends, so that we can impact. What kind of impact do you have on your tribe that you're running with? It's my tribe. It's my people. Really, your people? Do your people even know you're a Christian? Your people know where you go to church? Do your people know the call of God you've got on your life? Well, how many give me five more minutes? Five more minutes. Thank you. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. I'm good. Some, next thing on your notes, sometimes building is really rebuilding. Sometimes building is really rebuilding. Galatians 6 1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Let me tell you something. Sometimes your job of building is to rebuild people who have crumbled. That's, that's another thing we're building here. So you only hire somebody to rebuild a structure that has building experience. You ain't going to have somebody come in and rebuild your house after it's been burned in a fire or had a tree fall on it that that ain't ever done nothing but play video games. Huh? Well, I I built a house on my Xbox. No, you ain't building my house. Let me tell you something about remodeling and, and rebuilding, too. It is probably the most uncomfortable life to live in. Most people will try to move out and move in with their mom and daddy while they're remodeling or restoring their house because you know, we, we didn't do it and some of y'all didn't do it. You have to walk over filth all the time. Things are tore out that need to be there and the refrigerator's now in, in outside under a tarp and I mean all kinds of things. It's inconvenient when you're being rebuilt. It are, it is, and sometimes people get so frustrated in demolition time, they just start throwing stuff away. At SRC, say this with me, at SRC, we don't throw people away. You ain't going to throw you away. We're going to restore you and rebuild you. But you got to be willing to be rebuilt. What are the things that we call to rebuild? Next thing on your notes is this. We are rebuilding the old waste places. We are rebuilding the old waste places. Isaiah 58, 12 says this, those from among you, those, talking about the people again, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up, watch what happens, the foundation of what? Many generations. And you shall be called the repair, one King James says, restore of the breach or the bridge, the restore of streets to dwell in. Let me tell you something. A lot of stuff that we used to have bedrock faith on, we've allowed the world to come in and tear it down. Churches don't pray anymore. Churches don't worship anymore. People don't come to the altar anymore. Those are the old waste places. Can I tell you something? At Solid Rock Church, we're going to rebuild the old waste places. Amen. We're going to open up the altars. We're going to worship God. We're going to pray. 
foundations of many generations. We got to start thinking about legacy. We got to start thinking beyond the moment. We got to start thinking about our sons and our daughters and our grandkids. We got to start thinking about not only just those that are in our immediate family, but the people, the people of, that's around us that are dying and going to hell. Where's our compassion for souls? It says that they will be known as the repairs of the breach, the bridge. The, most, the sermon that changed my life forever was in 1991, 92. Preached it both years, different versions, by a man named Rod Parsley. You ever heard of him? If you ain't ever heard of him, you will in October because he's coming. He preached a sermon called The Repairs of the Breach, or Stores of Passive Dwelling, from this passage. It literally, truly changed everything for me. It was an image of a bridge. And on one side of that bridge was a, a girl with a gun to her head about to commit suicide, a drug addict, and a person in a wheelchair. And every kind of struggle that they could imagine was on one side. On the other side was angels, and Jesus was standing there. And it was one of those arched bridges. And as they were about to get on that bridge and go from darkness to light, the enemies of religion and the, and, and the demons of religion came in and began to tear the bridge to, to pieces and pull the planks out. And as the people who were hurting started to go over the bridge, knowing that their answer was on the other side, they couldn't get to it because there was a gap in the bridge that the church had allowed the devil to remove the planks of our faith. Rod Parsley would pull one of them planks out and he'd hold it up and he'd say, we're going to restore the plank of prayer back to the church. And he'd preach on prayer for about 20 minutes and he'd slam that prayer back into the bridge. He'd go line upon line about things that have been taken out of the church and he'd slam it back in that bridge. He'd preach for over two hours. At the end of that message, the bridge was rebuilt. The music started playing and those people went over to the other side. She dropped the gun. He got up out of the wheelchair. Are y'all hearing me? It could only be done when a preacher and a church decided to put the planks back in the bridge. Don't you know it was God's will for the planks to be in the bridge? But God said this, I drew the blueprint. I showed you how to do it. But you're going to have to be the one to put the plank back in. You're going to have to make the commitment. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Huh? Are you hearing me? You ever heard that? He says, then I'll hear from heaven. I'll have compassion on them and heal their land. But you got to first turn from your wicked ways. Call upon his name. Come on. That's how you put the plank back in there. And the last thing on your notes is this. We are rebuilding the altar. We are rebuilding the altar. Everything starts at the altar. See, this tool belt, all these different tools. You got level. You know, I could preach on that. I didn't have time, but some of y'all look like this. (laughs) 
and you're trying your best. Because some of y'all like me, my wife will tell you. Sometimes I just, I, I, you, if you ever had any kind of construction experience, and I have a construction experience, you'll get used to it and you'll call, you, you'll say, well, I, that's all right, I got, I got an eagle eye. You look at that thing, you're like, my, my eye's better than a level. And, and some of y'all can get pretty close. But watch this. Some of y'all have been trying your best to level yourself. And to your eye, you look level. But you need a vision correction. You need somebody to put a level on it. Let me tell you what a level is. The level is vision. The level is the Word of God. It's truth. You put that level on it, all of a sudden you begin to realize, wow, I wasn't as straight as I thought. What does a hammer do? A hammer pounds something in. Sometimes that's my role in your life. You don't like it. Sometimes he hands me a nail, hands me a hammer, and says, it ain't going to be fun, but I got some stuff I got to chisel off. You ever, you ever heard a sermon that didn't sit well with you? I look at this. Greatest invention known to man. Because in our life, when I was young, it was like this. How many of some of y'all still trying to turn things by hand when God's given us the power to do this? See, see. Some people say clothes makes the man. Let me tell you something. When you're talking about construction, the tools make the man. Everything goes different when you got the right tools. Huh? You still get the job done. You can cut. Or you can pull out this bad boy. Y'all better be glad I ran out of time forgot to tell him to give me a power cord. I was going to start cutting stuff up here. You, you could start carrying all these blocks in your hand, or you can put them in a wheelbarrow. It's up to you. The difference is the job gets done a lot quicker and a lot more efficient when you use the tools that God has given you. He's given us the gifts of the Spirit. He's given us the five-fold ministry gifts to equip us for the work of the ministry. But the very tools that we need, we reject. When they try, when God tries to use them in our lives. But it all starts at the altar. I put this in my notes. I said, this tool belt that I'm wearing is symbolic of the altar. Because here's the reality. You could have the best power tools and the best ladder and scaffolding everywhere. But when it gets right down to it, you've got to have something to put in your hand. It's got to be personal. All starts with hand tools. It all starts right here at the altar. So it's time to strap on the armor of God, the tools that God has given us. It's time to build in this house what God has called us to build. Can we stand to our feet all over this house? I'm a little over time, but just bear with me for a moment. Let's bow our heads. Go ahead, brother. Play something. Father, I thank you for this moment. Some of you are thinking, I, I can't even go up the ladder because I'm broken.
hurt and injured. I need to be restored before I can ever strap on a tool belt and go to the job site. I need to be restored. If you're here today, with every head bowed, please, and every eye closed, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, see, that's where it all started. With, when he asked Peter, Peter said, You are the Christ, Son of the living God. The bedrock confession of our faith. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and you want to pray that prayer today, while every head is bowed, this is your, this is your moment of faith. You just raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Anybody here that needs to get there? Beyond that, you say, you know what? I've prayed that prayer before, but I'm going to be real with you. I've, I've left God. I've, I've, I've left Him. I know He hasn't left me, but I've walked out of my fellowship with Him. I've slid back in my faith. I'm not where I need to be with God. There are some things that I've got to get right today because I want to be to serve God, but I understand where I'm at is not where I need to be. Would you raise your hand? My goodness, at the hands. I see the hands. I see the hands. With those hands that are raised, I want to ask you to do something bold because we're building something here. You're a foundation stone. If you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to step out and come down to this altar right now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. It takes faith to do what they're doing. Let's give them a hand right now and let them know how proud we are of them. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Feeling my spirit that I'm going to wait just a few more seconds because I feel like this is not all that needed to be here. Now, this is us. Don't wait another moment. Who is it? Not going to wait forever on you. Who is it? Lay it down today. Those that are up here, please raise your hands. It's a sign of surrender. The rest of the church, raise your hands and stretch towards them. Help them pray this prayer. It's construction time. Sharpening time. The chisel is out. The junk is about to be off of you right now. Your past is about to be broken. All the things that you have judged yourself for, fall at the feet of Jesus Christ and the confession that you are about to make. So pray this prayer, church, help him pray. Father, I believe you loved me so much. You sent your son Jesus to die for my sins. Jesus, I believe and I declare you are the Messiah, the Son of of the living God. You lived a sinless life and you died on the cross just for me. You are my Lord and you are my Savior. I ask you to forgive me of every sin I have ever committed. Wash me clean. Restore unto me the joy of the Lord. I surrender my life from this day forward to you. Make me into the person you want me to be. Here I am, Lord, 
in Jesus' name. I am a child of God. Give him a praise right now all over this house. Hallelujah. 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 Now listen, this is old school, but I want to take some people from the second or third row and step up here and shake some of their hands and hug them and tell them you're proud of them. Come on, come on. Get up here and tell them you're proud of them. Tell them you're proud of them. Come on, 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 come on. You don't know what they've been through, but it took faith to do what they're doing. It took faith to do what they're doing. It took faith. It took faith. It took faith. It took faith. Whom the Son is set free is free indeed. Jim, would you just take this mic, dismiss us, and speak a blessing over each and every one of you. Don't forget, if you have any desire at all, even just a, a tiny, tiny bit that you think, well, I don't know, maybe I could, maybe I could, lead a small group. Stop by the desk and just stop by there for 30 seconds. Let them know if you're continuing your group, if you're starting a new one. That's all we need you to do. Praise God. Have you been blessed today? Yeah. Come on. How many believe God is building something in this house? Come on. Brother Jim dismisses. Come oh, on. Oh, by the way, I got, hey. the, I got, the, oh, wait a minute, Jim, wait a minute. Wait, Stay right there. About coming oh, up my here. God. Oh, my God. This is what I do. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> we have no workman's cop. I just want to go ahead and tell you that right now. Listen, Believe me, I got enough coverage to cover all of it. Let me just say something. If you have a black band and you would like to replace it with a This Is Us, please understand, keep them all together. They're in order. They're three different sizes. This, these are small, these are mediums, and these are larges. Right here, small first tier, medium, and larges. If you try one on and don't fit you right, please put them back in the same pack that you got them from. Small, medium, and large. Okay, Brother Jim. Yeah, the, you can tell this is my ladder. It's been riding around on truck for a while, <laughs> wore out like me. But this is what I do. I got one announcement before I dismiss you. I'd like all men to just meet up front for about five minutes right over here in the corner. Uh, just want to talk to you just for a few minutes about it. Uh, just want to thank you all for coming today. Listen, if you're not being hammered, you're not being chiseled, you're not being made into the image of God. We will never reach.